Fifteen years ago this month, the Cato Institute launched the Cato Daily Podcast, and to mark the occasion, we're hoping to give you a token of our appreciation and ask a small favor. Visit cato.org slash cdp15 to get a pair of vinyl Cato Daily Podcast stickers in the mail and give one of them to a friend who might enjoy timely libertarian perspectives on issues of the day. That website, again, is cato.org slash cdp15. And now more than ever, thank you for listening. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. The rise of China as an economy has inspired all manner of speculation about what it means for the U.S. economy and U.S. security. John Mueller is author of the new Cato paper, China, Rise or Demise. We spoke last week. John, when people talk about the rise of China as an economic power and as a military threat to uh, particularly the United States, what are they referring to? Well, China, of course, is growing so that now in the world it's either number one or number two in GDP, but it's still like 78th in GDP per capita. Uh, at that rate, it's questionable how you would define what a developed country is, but China might not fall into it. Uh, it's going to continue to grow, almost certainly, though a lot of its policies are very questionable in that respect. Um, but uh, it mostly seems to be a reasonably comfortable trading partner for the most part. I mean, there's things they do that people don't like, but those people that don't like a lot of things a lot of other people do as well. Uh, militarily, they're growing somewhat. Um, the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, said they're building more military than they actually need for their protection. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Um, so th there's a concern that if they continue to grow militarily, they're going to become more militarily assertive, even in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and I think that's just very questionable. Uh, the key thing about them is that they don't really have territorial ambitions a la Hitler, uh, with the exception of wanting to get Taiwan back at some time or other. And also that they're very much a trading state. They rely on the international uh, uh, trading uh, regime. Uh, that doesn't mean they don't have disputes with it and vice versa. Uh, but it's not a threat, it seems to me. It's certainly not a security threat to pretty much anybody, certainly the United States. If I understand you correctly, then the view is that uh, China, by virtue of its growth, its growth is on the back of interdependence with the rest of the world. And uh, that would likely reduce their incentive to have these kinds of territorial ambitions or uh, try to engage the rest of the world militarily? Yes, regardless, they don't seem to have territorial ambitions beyond the, the issue of Taiwan. Maybe a few islands or submerged rocks in the, in the South China Sea. Um, they've, they've made deals with dozens of countries on their border. There's border disputes all over the place. There's still a couple left over, namely with India and Nepal. But mostly over the decades, they've done a pretty good job of sort of making agreements in which some cases they gave up territory. Um, so, so they just, they just don't, they're just not Hitlerian. They don't, they don't want to take over anybody else's territory. They do certainly want to play a bigger role on the international stage. And, uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. They're a major contributor to United Nations peacekeeping forces, for example. Did Hong Kong believe that it had a deal with China? Yeah, they can break deals. Uh, that was uh, a complicated issue, uh, in the sense that they were they were actually seceding from China, and they're also very much concerned about uh, uh, at the other end, in the western end, uh, Xinjiang seceding. Um, and once they seemed to be moving in that direction, China cracked down. 
but that's not that's basically keeping a country from uh, a chunk of your country from from getting out rather than the other way around there are a lot of concerns about uh, china's theft of intellectual property of uh, china's making use of that intellectual property to challenge us producers of other products and uh, one of the complaints i hear most especially from republicans is that uh, dominance in various sectors will uh, damage the United States economically, and that's something to be concerned about. Is there any evidence that that China would want to use that uh, strategically for the purposes of its growth of into a hegemonic power? Yeah, well, the, the intellectual property thing is very, fairly bizarre. Um, the uh, countries have been stealing intellectual secrets from other countries forever. And apparently it's the case, there's a recent article about this in international security. Apparently it's the case that the only country um, that does not steal secrets, or a major country that does not steal secrets from abroad and then give them to their own businesses is the United States. Very strange. Um, and uh, so essentially China's following the international norm, which is to steal. Mostly stealing in the paper producing for, for um, Cato. And mostly stealing is not a terribly good procedure. The best thing is to innovate on your own. Uh, and if you steal, you tend to put less money in the kind of development that you might want to do that's good from your standpoint. Uh, if they become more dominant in certain areas and they become more dominant in certain areas, you have to live with that. If they overuse their dominance, then what you have to do is figure out a ways around it. Uh, and that's a, you know, it's a standard competitive sort of thing. Uh, you play with them or you play against them. Uh, as they get richer, you know, they're the major trading uh, partner for a huge number of countries. Uh, they're going to have, have a certain amount of clout, and you may have to play their game if you want to continue trading. If you don't like it, stop trading. Um, and they can, they can, you know, they're, they're the famous case of the National Basketball Association, a guy who, uh, who tweeted about um, what was going on in Hong Kong. They didn't like it, so they turned, turned off the lights. They wouldn't let the NBA... Uh, uh, show some of its very game, games very lucratively within China. That's the thing countries can do if they want to do that. And the NBA then sort of groveled afterwards. Uh, that's not very pleasant to watch, but it's not really much of a threat. It's basically uh, certainly a security threat. Uh, and there are ways around it. If they start to monopolize and raise, like any cartel, uh, 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 or monopoly, try to raise prices, then the solution to that, given this huge world we're in, is to figure out ways around it and to break the monopoly or produce more cheaply and better in other places. So com competition is very much there and should continue. It's a good thing. To the extent the United States needs to make adjustments in order to either accommodate or deal with the rise of China, what should that look like in policy and what is typically discussed? What's typically on the table for dealing with a surging China? Well, as far as I can see, the, the best thing is to do nothing, um, the, uh, except deal carefully. And if there are things you don't like, like some of their civil rights violations, it's per perfectly appropriate to complain about it. But there's basically nothing you can do to, to change where they're going. Uh, in many respects, they're making a lot of mistakes. Uh, they're very much, as, as many Chinese in the past have said, they're, they're foregoing economic reform, uh, very, and from their standpoint, very rationally, because their chief goal is not economic development, but keeping the Communist Party, the kleptocratic, I might add, Communist Party in, 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 in office. 
Um, and if it costs as a growth, then they're, then they're willing to pay that price. That's unfortunate. They're also clamping down on civil liberties, which is going to be uh, bad in a whole lot of different ways. Um, so they're basically making a lot of mistakes. Uh, Napoleon once said, um, uh, never interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. Now, I don't think it's appropriate to consider China as an enemy anyway, but the, the basic idea probably holds. There's really nothing you can do. And furthermore, they're very insecure. Uh, uh, a lot of observers have seen this, both from the sort of pro-China standpoint and from the anti-China standpoint. Um, and anything you do with sanctions or uh, mucking around or interfering and so forth is only going to make it make it worse in many respects. Uh, basically, they're on essentially a peaceful rise. Um, the rise, I think, can be accommodated. And eventually, if there's going to be reform inside, it's going to have to come from inside. It can't be forced upon them from outside. So it's uh, it's perfectly appropriate to worry about Hong Kong, worry about Xinjiang and so forth. Uh, and to you certainly want to compete uh, and keep up with them and uh, outclass them if you can. But there's no, I don't see any real policy implication in it. And, and also in, in, this, in this context, let me quote Ambassador Chas Freeman. He says, quote, there is no military answer to a grand strategy built on a nonviolent expansion of commerce and navigation, close quote. And I think that's basically the case. The idea we have to have more aircraft carriers in some place or other, uh, just, it's just basically nonsense. Uh, they're going to expand. We can, I think, accommodate that and deal with it. Um, and the hysteria about China just, I think, is is overwhelmingly un unjustified. John Mueller is author of the new Cato paper, China, Rise or Demise. It's our 15th anniversary at the Cato Daily Podcast. In appreciation to our listeners, we have a small gift for you. Visit cato.org slash cdp15 to learn more.